Thank you so much for joining us for the Summit Podcast. This message was produced with you in mind, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has shown himself faithful in your life. Email us at mystory@summittogether.com. We made it a habit at the summit that whenever we bring in guests, and we don't bring in a lot of guests, but when we bring in guests, uh, we don't bring in... Um, we're not bringing in people we feel sorry for that we go well we need to let them preach i guess so we'll let them have a weekend for us we don't we don't do that what we do is we bring in people who we feel like have an important word to share for this body and and have an impartation of something for you and so i truly believe that's the case today uh ron and heather rhodes have been traveling the united states uh ron's uh, ministered in almost every state in the in the United States. He's ministered in over 50 nations around the world, and I'm so glad he's with us today. Um, he's got an incredible story, and the word he's going to bring for you today is timely and it's powerful. Last weekend we had a great weekend as we finished up our I Am series, and I feel like the word he's bringing today it, it just dovetails perfectly with what God spoke to so many of us last weekend. So I'm excited that he's here today. They'll be available following the worship experience today, and I don't think he mentioned it in the first service, but his if you're interested in finding out more about Ron and their ministry, you can visit their website. It's ronroads.org. It's Ron, and then the last name is R-H-O-A-D-S.org. So I want to encourage you, support their ministry, check it out, find out more about it. But they'll be available following the worship experience to uh, visit with you, to talk, to get to know you a little bit. But if you would, please welcome with me to the stage, Ron Rhodes. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. It's good to be in the house of God today, amen? <clears throat> Happy Memorial Day, and I trust that you're having a great weekend and uh, that, that you will have a safe weekend for the rest of the weekend and you have a good time celebrating with family. As Pastor mentioned, it is truly a privilege for Heather and I to be here. We are full-time evangelists. I shared with one of the other services that uh, many times people come up and, and ask me, but what's your real job? And I'm like, this is my real job. For 20 years now, I've been a full-time evangelist. I've been in full-time ministry for 25 years. And privilege and honor to literally be able to go around the world. Been on six continents. The only continent I haven't been to yet, Pastor, is the Antarctica. And I am sure that there are some scientists down there and some penguins that need Jesus as well. So we're open to the Antarctica. But, uh, you know, as we travel around the world and uh, we get chances like this to be right here. In fact, this is now where we live in our home state of Pennsylvania. My wife is from here. I'm from Texas and Oklahoma, but my wife is from the metro area of Mount Joy, Pennsylvania. Yes, all those recognitions. You didn't even know you had a Mount Joy, did you? Uh, it's in Lancaster County, uh, over by Hershey, Harrisburg, Lancaster, about three and a half hour drive uh, from here. And so we moved here six months ago to the state of Pennsylvania. And so we are Man, I am locked into Pennsylvania. My first winter storm was Winter Storm Jonas. And that one broke the record books. Oh, there, I don't know how you worked out here, but we had 34 inches in less than 48 hours. Was that not incredible? That was amazing for a boy from Texas and Oklahoma. I didn't even know there, there was the white PVC pipe thing that comes out of your back of your house that has to do with your heating. And when the snow builds up and builds up, if it gets to that spout that if you don't clear it away, your heater shuts off. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Thank good my father-in-law knew that because we woke up with no heat. 
and the snow kept building up, and we got to shovel it away. It was amazing. So thanks for the welcome to Pennsylvania. I appreciate it. I'm used to tornadoes and thunderstorms and those cool things like that. It is truly a privilege. Thank you, Pastor Mel, and so much. Kim, we love you guys, and thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of this weekend and be a part of what's happening here at the Summit Church. And we are so, so excited to hear all that God's doing. And as we travel around the world, we, we, we speak every week someplace different in the world. But one of the unique aspects of our ministry is uh, what we call soccer salvation camps. And you can find all the pictures and see we've done 40 of these around the world in places like Bangkok, Thailand, and Sibiu, Romania, and Brotsini, and all these places like in Latvia and the Canary Islands. And it's truly an amazing opportunity that we use for the glory of God. So we're just happy for what God's going to do here today. Are you ready to receive from God today? Are you ready to receive God into your life today? Amen. Would you stand for the reading of God's word with me for just a moment? Turn with me to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 verse 11. Luke chapter 7 verse 11 says, Soon afterward Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. Get this in quotation marks in your Bible. It says, God has come to help his people. Isn't that a great promise this morning? God has come to help you. He is not against you. He hasn't come to condemn you. He's come to help you. And even if nobody else has come to help you, the creator of the universe has come to help you. And that's an incredible promise. Father, I just pray an anointing upon every heart and every life. Lord, those that are Watching by internet today, we pray that you would speak into their hearts. God, for the next few moments, Lord, that you would capture their attention through your word and through your anointing. I pray for those that are standing here in this room right now that you would just overwhelm them with your presence. God, we pray for before we leave this room that there will be people that come to know Jesus Christ. There will be people in this room that experience healing. God, I believe today is going to be a new start in many lives, Lord, as they overcome their past pain because they realize, Lord, that they have a destiny and they have a purpose, and God is going to make that happen in their lives. Father, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You, you may be seated. I appreciate it. Um, when you think about Memorial 
Day weekend, you think about the beginning of summer, you're thinking out, about going out and grilling some hot dogs or some ribs or, or, or some hamburgers, cheeseburgers, double cheeseburgers, double bacon, triple guacamole, mushroom, cheddar, provolone, pepper jack burgers. Anybody getting hungry? Anybody hoping I don't preach very long? Don't rate, I'm just kidding. No, you don't have to worry about that. I'm hungry already too. But there's a lot of things about Memorial Day weekend that is, is a part of celebrating. But also we honor those that have paid the ultimate sacrifice. And we salute all of you today that have served in the military. Maybe even some of you have made the ultimate sacrifice for the greatest country on the face of the earth. And that is America and for our men and women that have fought around the world so that we could have the chance to do this right here is truly amazing. Because I've been in those countries in the world that they cannot do things like this. They do not have that freedom. I am saluting my nephew this morning that's in the Air Force and he's in Kuwait right now and he has a wife back here in the United States that is expecting twins. And so I salute all of you that have been in the military. We thank you and we honor you. Well, as we have seen those, have you, have you ever seen those video clips of that horrible, tragic moment in which they remove the bodies of our fallen soldiers out of the back of those huge planes in Dover, Delaware? That's where they come into the United States and those coffins that are draped in American flag and truly an ultimate symbol to the world that we believe in what we fight for and what we stand for and we will stand and honor those. And, and so when you think about the funeral processions that happen around the nation, when our soldiers come home, and I got to thinking about those moments and this moment here in the Word of God because this story I just read to you is about a funeral procession. In fact, sometimes, many times, like we see with soldiers, their mothers are burying their little boys that have went away to war and have died. And so here is a mother that is grieving and brokenhearted. She is so overwhelmed that her little boy has died because now she really feels alone because she's also experienced the tragedy of losing her husband. The Bible says she's a widow. So now she is on her second funeral procession. And maybe, just maybe, where she is at is where so many people get to in life. When life begins to become a challenge and gets very unfair, maybe this mother has began to question, is there a God? Is there a God that loves me? Is there a God that cares? Is there a God that hears my prayer? Because why in the world, God, would you allow my little boy to die when I prayed that you would show up and heal him? And yet we are burying him today. And at this precise moment that maybe she is questioning if God loves her, maybe questioning if there is a God, it was at the same moment that Jesus and his disciples show up at the precise time to see this funeral procession. 
When I was a little boy growing up in Weatherford, Oklahoma, western Oklahoma, there is nothing out there. It is flat. You can see for days. It is red dirt. There's wind and no trees. It is truly desolate. But there is one thing that living in a small town that you would always see, and that is when there was a funeral procession, you know, that long line of cars with their headlights on, and the hearse leading, going to the grave, and the police car, the police motorcycle leading the way, there was one thing that we did is we would honor that family. We would pull over to the side of the road. No matter where you were headed, no matter how late you were, no matter what you were doing, when you saw that funeral procession, you pulled over to the side of the road and you would stop and you would honor them as they went by. And I thought about that in this situation because Jesus and his disciples came upon this funeral procession. And so easily they could have said, stop, don't talk, take your hats off. There is somebody that has died. Let's honor the dead. Let's respect the dead. It was at that moment that Jesus had a decision. Am I going to allow this funeral procession to proceed and go by and go to the grave? Or am I going to get involved? Maybe that's exactly where you are this morning. You walked in here and your world is spinning out of control. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe your marriage is being torn apart. Maybe your finances are depleted and you don't know how you're going to pay the bills. Maybe the doctors have told you that it is cancer. I don't know where you're at, but maybe it feels like something in your life is in a coffin headed to a grave. And what you need to hear is that God is not afraid to get involved with our funeral processions. You see, he doesn't look at it like everyone else does. Everyone else says, oh, it's too late the boy is already dead. He's already in the coffin. So I might as well not get involved. But Jesus does not look at it like that because he is life and resurrection. He is the one that gets to say when it is done. He is the one that gets to say when it's over. So what did Jesus do? He walked right up in the middle of that funeral procession and everything stopped. Jesus was showing his bravery because he walks right up to this mother and the mother could have responded, oh, now you show up, Jesus. Thanks a lot. Great timing. Thanks for showing up after my little boy already has died. Can't you just see him just wanting to to Jesus? Like, get out of here. Get out of here. She had a decision to make just like you. Are you going to pay attention to what's in your coffin? Or are you going to pay attention to who's standing next to you? He happens to be Jesus Christ, the resurrection and the life. He is the one that can give joy when there is pain. He's the one that can turn situations around. He's the one that can take death and create life. So are you going to focus on the coffin and where things are headed? 
Or are you going to focus on the fact that you just walked into the middle of a funeral procession on Memorial Day weekend in 2016 at the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania, because God knew exactly right where you are. As I travel the world, I've, I've seen those moments. They're unthinkable. So sad. Break your heart. Here is this moment, this woman, she was so overwhelmed. And so what is Jesus going to say to her? What words of wisdom is Jesus going to speak into this woman? And the only thing he could come up with is to say to this grieving, broken-hearted mother is, don't cry. Really? What are you missing, Jesus, to this point that you would say, don't cry? Let me try to explain as close as I've ever understood this situation was if you knew this about me is I'm a dad. I'm a dad of a beautiful little girl. Her name is Taylor Nicole. And I was so excited to have her born and come into our lives because I told many people, if all I get in life is one child, I want a daddy's little girl. Any other dads in here like that? Daddy little girls are really special, aren't they? And they will cost you a lot. I always said, I always talked about this moment. If I was ever at the mall, not knowing my daughter and her friends were there, I've always said, well, this is a moment that I won't be one of those obnoxious, embarrassing dads. If I see Taylor, I will allow her to make the decision of what she's going to do. And if she chooses to see her dad and not be embarrassed and come over to me and say, hi, dad, then it will mean that I will be getting out my visa card and saying happy shopping to Taylor. But if she chooses to see dad and walk the other way and ignore me, I will turn and walk away probably with a tear in my eye, but just realizing that it wasn't something that was trying to keep her from being embarrassed, but it was actually an opportunity to be blessed. And in the same way Jesus looks at you, he looks for opportunity for you to honor him and respect him and want to be with him. And when you do, he will get out his visa card. He wants to bless you. And let me tell you, God's limit on his visa has a whole lot of zeros. Can we say amen to that? My daughter... It was a beautiful baby, but things got really tough when she started having multiple seizures every day. There were times that she would have 11 seizures a day. So we took her to the hospital and they did an MRI and the pediatrician comes in and says, we are sorry to tell you, but your daughter has a rare incurable disease. In fact, your daughter has tumors all throughout her brain and her heart and there is nothing we can do. There is no cure. It is an abnormal gene mutation right after conception and we are so sorry, but we will only be able to deal with 
the side effects, but we can't stop the disease. So take your beautiful little girl home and enjoy what you have with her. Enjoy the time you have with her. She may be blind. She may never walk. She may never talk. She may die. She may live. We can't tell you, but her life will be different. I remember one of the very first surgeries, and the surgery was over, and they came and got us, and they said, please come to the recovery room. And we walked into the room, and this is what we saw. We saw our little baby girl laying there, and her eyes are so full of fear. She's screaming and crying, tears running down her face. And the one thing that she was letting everyone know, I'm so scared. I'm in a place that I am so scared. I'm hurting. I'm, 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 I'm really fearful. I, I'm not in a safe place. I'm not in a place of peace. And so you know what a mom or a dad does? I couldn't get across the room fast enough. I scooped my little baby girl up in my arms, arms of a father that she knew, a smell that she knew, a voice that she knew. And you know what I simply said to my daughter that day, I just began to say, don't cry, daddy's here. Don't cry, daddy's here. It's gonna be okay. I'm gonna take you out of this place of pain and hurting. I'm gonna be your support. I'm gonna be your strength. You're now in your father's hands. You know what? That's what this moment was like. That's what Jesus was doing for that mother that was brokenhearted and grieving. She, Jesus stepped out of heaven into her life. And he was saying, don't cry. Daddy's here. Life and resurrection. It's not hopeless. Now you have hope because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the resurrection and life. I have just stepped in the middle of your funeral procession. I know there will be times in life that it seems so impossible. I remember when I was diagnosed with cancer at 33 years old, and my doctor told me, you have cancer and we need to do immediate surgery. So I canceled my next event, which was supposed to be in Indiana. And on that Monday day that we, they took me to the hospital and they did the surgery. And I came out of the surgery that night and the doctor looked at me and he says, good news, good news. We caught it early. We got it all. Go live your life. But the reality was four months later doing some follow-up tests I'll never forget the phone call I got on a Thursday afternoon. I was getting ready to head to the airport. I was speaking in London for the weekend, and I was in a Bible bookstore to pick up a book for the pastor that I was going to minister for because he had just went through a horrible two- to three-year battle with his wife battling cancer and she had just passed away and it's amazing how God orchestrates things and literally I'm standing there in a Bible bookstore getting ready to pick up a book to take to encourage a pastor that has just lost his wife and I 
pick up my phone to hear my doctor's voice. Now, can I tell you, if you are not familiar with this, that when you hear your doctor's voice, not your doctor's office voice, not your doctor's nurse's voice, but when you hear your doctor's voice, they're not calling to tell you good news. It was at that moment that I heard the words that would scare me deeply, and that is, Ron, I am so sorry, but your cancer is not gone. In fact, these last four months that we did no testing because we thought we got it all, is it's been spreading into your lymphatic system, and we need to start immediate treatment or you'll die. I did not cancel my trip to London. I got on the plane that night, and I'll never forget that plane ride. You see, I've flown over two and a half million miles. I've been on a lot of planes going around the world, but that was one plane trip I will never forget. I was going across the Atlantic that night. It was late. It was dark. Most everybody was asleep, but I was typing up my death letter to my family on my laptop, and I was just processing the fact that just a few hours before, I was told that I was dying and the cancer was spreading, and the only other person that I knew that had this cancer at that point lived only six months, and so I had in my mind this was it. I was in my own funeral procession. I came back from that trip and I started the cancer treatment and those in this room that have walked through radiation treatment, you will understand what I'm getting ready to explain. It was a very difficult time for me emotionally. I was fighting uh, an emotional battle. I was fighting a battle that nobody else knew about. They knew about the cancer, but they did not know about something that was very private and destroying my insides. And all they knew about was the cancer. And so every day that I would go into the medical city hospital radiation treatment room, every day, Monday through Friday for four and a half weeks, I would walk in there, they would lay me on the table, they would get everything prepared, and then, as you know, before the treatment starts, everybody has to leave the room. This huge steel vault door clings shut, just like a bank vault door. And it was at that point that the enemy tried to lie to me over and over every day. You are going to die and you will not recover. You will no longer do what you are doing You will not speak. You will not do another soccer salvation camp. You will not be there to watch your daughter. You will not. You are dying. And it was at those moments every day, right before I was going to be wiped out, and because of where they aimed the radiation, which was right here in my abdomen area, it would not only wipe me out, but make me very sick. And I would walk out very weak out of that. And every time I was confined in that room and that huge steel door would clang shut, the enemy would convince me, it is done, it is over. I was in my own funeral procession headed to the grave, but I've got good news for you this morning is my God and my Lord and my Savior. He he showed up and he got involved in my funeral procession. And when everybody else had to leave and couldn't stand the heat, that's when my Lord and Savior walked in. You see, Jesus knows where the radiation treatment room is in Medical City Hospital in Dallas, Texas. And whenever 
everybody else would have to leave, that's when he would come in. He would walk up and he would say, don't cry, daddy's here. Don't cry, daddy's here. And today I stand in front of you completely cancer-free because my God is a healer. My God is a healer. One year ago, June 8th, 2015, at the University of North Texas, in front of 10,000 people in a packed out Coliseum, my daughter, Taylor Nicole Rhodes, 18 years old, got to walk up at her high school graduation, and in front of 989 other classmates in her class, she got to hear her name called at her high school graduation that she was never supposed to live for. Come on, God gets involved. There was even a boy when he was 10 years old on a Sunday afternoon, went to a man's house in the church that everybody trusted. But the reality is that that 10-year-old boy would find out very quickly that life is very unfair. In fact, no one knew that this man that he was going home with was a child pedophile. He took that little 10-year-old boy, so innocent, so unbelievable that any 10-year-old or child would go through what he went through that day as that man sexually molested that little boy and he threatened that little boy. So that little boy went home that day and he was so scared. In fact, for the next 11 years, he didn't tell anyone and the enemy would use that moment as an open door to create fears and phobias you see, the enemy was trying to take him out. The enemy tried when he was only 10 years old to stop him and put him in the grave before he even had a chance to live. But God said, I've got a purpose for your life. I've got a calling on your life. And the reason I can tell you that story about that little 10-year-old boy, because that little 10-year-old boy was me. You see, statistics tell me I should be in prison I should be a drug addict, I should be an alcoholic, I should have committed suicide. Statistics tell me that I should be doing a whole lot of other things except what I'm doing right now. But the only reason I stand here and the only reason that when the enemy grabbed a hold of me, trying always trying to take me out by one way or another, it happened in Istanbul, Turkey, in a hotel room in front of my wife, and I had a grand mal seizure that should have killed me. In fact, my wife thought I died because after shaking me so bad and biting a huge chunk out of my tongue and blood flowing out of my mouth and foam flowing out of my mouth, I collapsed and I stopped breathing and I turned blue and I was completely unconscious and lifeless. And my wife was convinced at that point that she had just watched her wife, her husband die halfway around the world. Nobody, nobody was with us. She didn't speak the language. The seizure was so powerful that it broke my spine, not in one place, not in two places, but in three places. I have a titanium rod and screws in my back, and, and I should have died that day. But by the time my wife and the paramedics got back to that room, God says, I'm here to get involved in your funeral procession. And Ron Rhodes, you are not dying in a hotel in Istanbul, Turkey, because I need you to go speak to a church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. And I need you to tell some people that there is hope today because he knows where you're at and he knows your pain. And look, I'm walking. I'm talking, I'm healed, my daughter is alive. Come on, God, God wants to get involved in your life. Everybody stand with me if you would, please. God spoke to that young man that was laying there dead, and he said, young man, I say to you, get up. And the little boy woke up. I want you to notice something before we pray. Jesus stepped between the coffin and the grave. Jesus wants to do this in your life. Listen to this. 
He wants to step between the coffin and the grave. He made a statement in the spiritual realm as well as the physical realm. God is stepping between your pain and the coffin. And the pain has always told you the tragedy of your past. The challenges, the unfairness has always told you that I'm going to take you to the grave. But Jesus this morning is stepping between the coffin and the grave. And he's making a statement. He says, you went far enough. Sin, death, your past. And then God put a hand to the coffin. And God showed me when God puts a hand to the coffin, guess what has to happen? The devil has to take his hand off. Pain has to let go. Disease has to let go. Confusion, hate, unforgiveness, pain has to let go. Jesus is touching your coffin right now. If you'll let him open your heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would do something so supernatural. Lord, I can share more stories this isn't even all my testimony. This is not all that I could give praise to you. Lord, it's not about, oh, Ron, I I'm sorry that you went through those things. No, there are people that have went through far worse things than I've went through. No, it's not about the pain. It's not about what we've went through. It's about our Lord and our Savior that saves us and rescues us. I didn't always react the right way God you know that I am not without sin I have failed I have hurt you I've been frustrated and upset at times there's times that Lord I don't want to wake up another day in chronic back pain being told by my doctors stop traveling stop doing what you are doing but oh god when i wake up every day no matter how much physical pain i know you healed me from a spiritual pain and an emotional pain that would have sent me to an eternity of darkness but because jesus christ has come into my life i am now headed to an eternity with jesus christ in heaven i am headed to an eternity of complete peace and joy and today, that message is here for everyone in this room, no matter what they've been through, whether they've been raped or neglected or rejected. Maybe they've been made fun of. Maybe they don't match up. Maybe their marriage has fallen apart. Maybe their finances, they're, financing, they're, they're facing bankruptcy. Maybe their, their business is collapsing. I don't know. Maybe it's something I haven't mentioned, but God, today you're wanting to give hope. God, I pray right now through the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit that you would speak hope into those lives that are here today. I just want you to quickly, for just a moment, keep your heads bowed, and I just want to ask you two quick questions. First of all, Ron, you were speaking to me. Your testimony was about me because I've gone through some things that have been a real challenge, and I, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, but I'm hurting, and I need God to get involved in my situation. I need hope. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your ministry. Maybe it's a relationship with your child. Maybe it's your physical body. Maybe it's something that I haven't mentioned, but there's a tragedy in your past. There's a pain in your past. But God's wanting to let you know that I'm going to put your pain in perspective. Your past doesn't get to dictate who you are. It doesn't get to dictate what your future is. Rather, Jesus Christ, the victor that went to the cross, is who your identity is. 
You're not a victim. You're a victor because you have victory in Jesus Christ. And today, you say, Ron, this testimony was for me. Would you just pray for me? Because I battle some things that maybe nobody else does know. Maybe people do know. But today, you're hurting from something that's happened to you. And God wants to bring healing to your life. And you say, Ron, pray for me. Would you just quickly raise up your hand so I know who to pray for? So many hands going up all over this room and in the balcony. Thank you. You can put it down as soon as you raise it. I just want to know who I'm praying for. Anybody else? I just want to ask one other quick question. You say, Ron, when I walked in here today, I, I have a lot of things going on in my life, but I realize and understand one thing after this message is that the greatest need of my life is to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. You walked in here today and you, you've been hurt. You've been through pain. You've been through challenges. And, and you say today that I tried to deal with it on my own. I tried to face it. But God today is saying to you, let me be the Lord of your life. Let me forgive you. Let me love you. Let me heal you. Would you give God a chance? Right now, you know when you walked in here today that God did not live in your heart, that God is not number one of your life, but you understand that the first step to your journey of being healed and transformed and realizing your destiny is to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If that's you, would you just raise your hand quickly so I know who to pray for and we'll pray for you as well. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can put them down as soon as you're raising. We just want to know who to pray for. Just join with me in this last prayer before pastor comes. Father, I just praise you and I thank you for the chance that we've had here today. God, you know the faces, you knew the stories, you knew the lives before this service even began. And God, there are those that just said, Lord, they just recognize the greatest need of their life that they're going to start the journey here at Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. They are starting the journey of giving their life to Jesus Christ. And we praise you and we give you glory for that. And we pray right now that as they open their heart and their mind and their spirit up to you, they simply say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Take away those evil desires. Set me free from addictions and bondage. Give me a hope and a future God, show me your love that I may become a brand new person. We accept you, Jesus, into our heart to be our Lord and our Savior. And God, we pray for those that just a few moments ago said, I'm a Christian and I love God, but I have a pain in my past. I, I have a tragedy in my life. I'm going through something presently and I don't want it to, to define me. I don't want it to destroy me. I want God to touch my coffin. I want God to touch my child. I want God to touch my husband or my wife. God, I need you to touch our finances. I need you to touch our lives in a supernatural way. God is getting involved right now, and he's touching your lives. And the enemy is having to take its hand off. Right now, God is doing things in the supernatural realm and the spiritual realm as well as the physical realm. He's stepping between the coffin and the grave. And he's saying, today is the day that's going to turn your life around. This is the day that your journey begins in victory. 
God, we give you glory and we give you praise for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we tell Ron how much we appreciate him? Thank you, Ron. If you're here today and you responded, you recognize the fact that you need Jesus in your life. Um, it's not tricky. It's not hard. You just simply pray. You confess him as Lord and, uh, and invite him in. That's it. You confess him with your mouth and you believe in your heart. Scripture tells us that's it. So I want to encourage you today. If you pray today and you ask Jesus into your heart, we want to help you take a next step. It really is a relationship. It's an ongoing journey. There's a card in the seat back in front of you. It's a prayer card, and um, it's two-sided, but there's this is the first side. But if you pray today to make Jesus Lord of your life, you acknowledge you need him in your life, I want to encourage you, fill out the side that says salvation and rededication. Fill that out for us, and then drop it in one of our offering boxes before you leave today. We want to help you on your journey. There's several things we can do. Uh, we want to get you connected with the opportunity for water baptisms. Um, that's an important part of who we are in our walk with Christ. But also we've got a group that meets on Wednesday nights. It's called Starting Point. Uh, I think we've got another group coming up here in the next week or so that's going to start again. We'd love, you to, uh, love for you to be a part of that. If you are new to your faith or coming back to your faith or you've got questions like, what does it mean to be a Christian? Or how do I pray? How do I read Bibles? Uh, that is what that group is all about. So I want to encourage you, you can sign up for that at our info center. So if if that's you today, there's some action steps you can take at this point. Maybe you're here today and, and the word spoke to you because you recognize that Jesus has to, has to intervene in your situation, that your, your funeral procession is happening and you need Jesus to intervene. You feel like maybe that's happening today. Maybe God's spoken to you and doing something in your life. If you'd like us to pray with you about your situation, we'll be happy to agree with you. What's gonna happen right now is our worship team is gonna lead us in one more song. And as they do, our prayer team is gonna be available on either side of this stage. And as we begin to sing together, I want you, if you have prayer needs of any kind, to step out from your seat, find one of our prayer team members and let us agree with you in prayer. You can also fill out one of our prayer cards. It's the side that is red. Fill that out. You can drop it in one of our offering boxes. We pray over those needs. We take those seriously. You can also email your prayer needs to prayer at summittogether.com. Let us know what's going on with you. We want to agree with you in your prayers. Uh, whatever is happening, we know that we serve a big God. We know that we serve a God that can intervene in your situation. So we want to help any way we can. After we finish singing, Todd, Pastor Todd is going to close us out and dismiss us. But I want us just to worship God together. Let's go after God. Let's just reflect on what God, the Holy Spirit has spoken to us during this message. But guys, I want you to know I love you more than you know, and I'm so glad that I get to be your pastor. Have a wonderful weekend. God bless you. this message on video, go to summittogether.com.